Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Brad. Listen, on this episode, we're going to be talking about why contractors get stuck in their business and they can't get off the tools or get make more money without fear of bankruptcy or burnout. Stick around. This is going to get really, really good. So listen, I've been coaching now for over three years. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of contractors and it, the story is the same. I can, I can take this story and apply it to 99% of the contractors that I talk to who are frustrated with their business right now. So we're going to dive into this and hopefully unlock some key things you need to understand so that you can start getting unstuck in your business. Now, let me paint this picture of the type of contractor that I'm talking about, and then you can decide if this really fits your situation. Whenever someone starts a new business, there is a ton of excitement, right? We're all excited. It's a new venture. I mean, we, we could probably work, you know, 30 hour days if that existed. No sleep because we are super excited. We're pumped. We're ready to take on the challenge, right? And so we, we start this business and it's, you know, like I said, we're super excited. We tell all our friends and our family and we post on our socials, look at us, we're starting a new business. And right off the bat, we get the mercy jobs, you know, the moms and the dads and the brothers and the sisters, the cousins, friends and neighbors, you know, Hey, can you come over and like, you know, repair this leaky toilet that's been leaking for two years, you know, and you like, yeah, I come over there. Yeah. And you know, charge them like 25 bucks. Right. You're like, Oh, I made some money. <laughs> like that's like day two. Right. You start to get some work. Now, some people are like, Hey, I need a remodel. I need a, my landscaping done. I need a new roof, whatever you're into. Like you, you start getting some referrals. You start getting some business. But those are, like I said, they're the mercy jobs. Those are your in-network. And soon you kind of run out of those leads after a while, by the way. Like after a certain period of time, you run through your network. And so a little sidebar here, your job is to build your network. A massive is to amass a large network. The bigger your network, the bigger your net worth. Because the more people you know, the more opportunities you have to, to receive referrals and get in front of people. Okay. That's just a little sidebar bonus for you, but you're back to starting your business and uh, you're, you're getting some leads and you start to get some work coming in. You start to fill your schedule. You start to get two weeks, you know, maybe two months built out and everything is still excited. You're probably, you know, still a one man show at this point. Occasionally you'll start with a business partner or maybe you have a situation where you start with a, you know, you have an employee based on what you're doing, but most contractors start out as a one man show and then they want to grow this, you know, into a much larger business. So you're by yourself, you're working and the money's coming in, you're starting to sell jobs, you're booking out your schedule, everything is great, except it's not quite great. It's great because you're doing your own thing and you're quote setting your own hours and you're your own boss, but you're not really making a whole lot of money. You're making enough to pay the bills and, you know, and, and stay afloat. But, you know, and people say, well, you got to invest, you got to reinvest your profits and then you can grow and then you keep growing and growing and growing. And then eventually you make money and 
all these soundtracks that people tell us that we believe and, and you just kind of get stuck at some point, whether it's six months, sometimes even six years, you get to a point to where you're stuck and you don't know how to make more money and you can't find good help, or at least that's what you believe. And so you end up working all the time. You end up working six days a week and then seven days a week or 12 hour days and then 16 hour days. And you're doing this and maybe you are making some good money, but you're, you're working 70, 80 hours a week in order to make that good money. So in reality, if you were working a 40 hour work week, you would be making less money than what you actually were at your previous job. But hey, you get to set your own hours, right? It's one of the lies that we tell ourselves. And so you're working 80 hours a week to make, let's say, 80,000 a year. Some of you are working 80 hours a week and not even making 40,000 a year. But let's just say you're lucky and you're making 80,000 a year working 80 hours a week. Well, if you drop down to 40 hours, you basically cut your salary in half, right? Now you go from 80 to 40, 40K. And what a lot of us do when we start making this, quote, good money is we increase our lifestyle as well. I've said this a lot. People get their panties in a wad. They get upset. They clap back at me. They get fired. You know, it's a, it's a heart right into their ego. And it is, I got to tell you guys, uh, I, I get energized when people want to argue with me on social media. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe it's a weird, twisted thing that's wrong with me. Maybe I need to go talk to my, my uh, therapist about it. But when people start clapping back at me in, in, in social media and in comments and telling me I'm wrong and all this, like, I enjoy that. I, I like arguing. My wife can contest to this. Like, I like arguing. I probably has some deep-rooted, seated, you know, thing of being in the Marines and, you know, enjoying, like, conflict, right? Because that's what we're brainwashed to, to be killers in this, you know, uh, machine. And so probably some of that comes from that. <laughs> I digress. I'm just letting you know that when you argue with me, like I enjoy it. And I always poke the bear all the time. I'm very polarizing on purpose, just so you guys know. Uh, I'm not like that in real life. A lot of that is very purpose and intentional poking the bear to get likes and views and comments and reactions. But the thing is, is that whenever I say you don't need a $100,000 pickup truck, right? People get so pissed off because they've already bought that $100,000 pickup truck. They already have a $1,500 a month truck payment. And really, they're frustrated with their self. They're frustrated because they have to make that payment, but they have to justify it to the outside world. And so they, you know, they got to argue, well, it's a tax write-off and you just put it into your budget and all this stuff, right? Which there's truth in that. If you can afford it, what I'm talking about are the ones that can't afford it but they do it to increase their lifestyle so they feel good because there's a lot of frustration in their business because they're not having the success that they want. And so they can justify, well, if I can't really pay myself more, I can buy a new $100,000 truck, which will make me feel good and make me feel like I'm accomplishing something and it's a tax write-off and that's how I justify it, okay? Now, don't get me wrong here. Like I'm looking to buy a $100,000 truck soon. Not because I need it, because I want it. Like, literally, it's a want. It's not a need. I don't need it. I have a perfectly good truck. The only need is because 
in the future, if we upgrade our uh, camper to like a fifth wheel or something, I will need a heavier duty truck than what I have now with my Tundra. I won't pull it, that, that, but that doesn't exist right now. That's not a need I have. It's a complete desire and want, but I don't need it right this second. So I'm not going to invest in it because I don't, I don't need to, uh, to, to spend the money. I just don't need to, right? Understanding the difference between wants and needs can help you understand like where this desire and stuff comes from. And this is all going to tie back into what I'm going to talk about here today. So hang with me. So you get this truck that you don't need because you want it. You increase your lifestyle, but your lifestyle depends on you working 80 hours a week. And after a period of time, it's okay if you're single, but if you get married or if you want to have a girlfriend and you have kids, right? If you get married and have kids or have kids with your girlfriend, whatever, like you have a family, now, all of a sudden, they start complaining, Brad, you're never home. You're working all the time. And I used to tell my wife this, too, is like, well, you shouldn't have married a business owner then. If, you, you know, if, if that's what you're like, I work all the time. That's just what I do. And again, there's always some truth and stuff like, yes, you should. You know, business owners typically work more than 40 hours a week, but not necessarily 80 hours a week, not 100 hours a week, not seven days a week. Right. At least not for a long period of sustainable time maybe a short period, but not for a long period of time. I know guys that are, have been five, six, seven years in their business and they make a lot of money, but they were working 80 hours a week. They never saw their kids. And so when they came into the program, to the profit club, the only desire they had was to work less. They didn't need more money. They were making very, very good money. And so we just simply put in a very effective sales process, the profit sales system, and that right there allowed him for the first time in several years to take Friday off and spend it with his kids. Uh, and that changed his life, completely changed his life, because no longer was he working 80 hours a week. Because most of his time as the owner and the salesman and the estimator was going out, looking at jobs, selling jobs. And he had a, a lower closing rate, so he had to look at a lot of jobs in order to, to sell, right? Well, if you got to go look at 10 jobs a week, and it takes you two to three hours to do an estimate. That is a lot of time. It's a lot of time invested. And so sometimes you can have, you can make good money, but you're working so many hours that you get burnt out, right? And then what happens is you're working so many hours and your family and your wife or your girlfriend or your brothers or your parents or whoever it is you hang out with your friends, you're like, dude, you're always working. Why don't you come hang out with us? Why don't you spend time with us? And so you start, you know, understanding, yeah, I need to, I need to for my mental health. I need to, cause I'm burning out. And so you stop working Sundays and you only work half day on Saturday. So you cut down to like, you know, you cut 12 hours out of your 80 hour work week. But after about two or three weeks, you notice that your bank account's getting lower and lower and lower. You're not making as much money because you're not working as many hours. And so what happens when the bank account starts getting lower and lower and lower? We start to panic, we start to freak out. Wait a minute, I, I, I need money, I gotta make money. So what do we do? Well, when I worked 80 hours, I was making the money I needed, right? Or maybe some of you are not even making the money you needed. You work 80 hours barely to get by, which is an even lower level of, of uh, hopelessness. But when you constantly go back between working a bunch to make money to not working as much for your mental, you know, for mental, what they call it, your mental, um, help me out here, <laughs> your mental, I don't know. Anyways, mental health, there you go. Wow, 
whenever you're working uh, fewer hours to help with your mental health and your pocketbook starts to suffer, then you start working. And so you get in what I call the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle is you work a bunch until you get burnout, you stop working, then your pocketbook suffers and you need money. So you work more and then you get burnout and you're constantly on this line. You're writing this line between burnout and bankruptcy, burnout and bankruptcy, burnout and bankruptcy. Maybe you have a big win on this job and you make a little extra money so you can kind of take a step back and breathe a little bit. But then, you know, when that job's over, it's back to the same thing. Because you're, you're really, that was a luck. It was just a lucky sale that you made that kind of helped you a little bit, but that's not repeatable. Like you can't repeat that process. And so shortly, that short-lived, I feel like I've made it, goes back to, you know, hopelessness and um, helplessness because you, you, you're, you can't replicate that. It was a one-off situation. And so you, you end up hitting this pivot point in your business, right? And the pivot point is like that, crazy cycle where either got to work too much or not work and lose money. And that's the constant crazy cycle. And so you're always going back and forth. You're constantly switching to avoid burnout or bankruptcy. If this resonates with you right now, raise your hand. Okay. I can see you out there. If you're listening, I can see you out there. Raise your hand. All right. If you raise in your hand, you are, I'll just tell you right now, you are on the same path that about 96% of contractors are on because 96% of contractors go out of business within 10 years. I think the number is like 70, somewhere between 70 and 75% are in the first five years. So if you've made it five years, congratulations, uh, you're barely hanging on, but within the next five years, you'll end up going out of business. And usually it's because of burnout. Most contractors go out of business because of burnout. Uh, the other half, you know, or the other portion of that go out because of bankruptcy. And I don't mean like filing actual bankruptcy. I just mean like you're not making enough money and you realize you have to provide for your family. So you go get a job somewhere. You give up on your dream and you go get a job somewhere, right? That's the same as bankruptcy. It's a, it's a financial decision. Here's what the word tracks are and why, why contractors feel hopeless in their business. They believe they can't raise their prices because the guy down the street, Joe Blow down the street's cheaper. Brad, you don't know what it's like in my town. I live on the border. There's a lot of cheap, free labor, and they, they just they come in and undercut us. That's bullcrap. I don't care what you say. It's bullcrap. It's a lie. That's a lie. 100% lie. Now, I'm not saying that's not a true statement. I'm saying it's a lie that you believe it affects your business. It's a true statement that there are people that do work cheaper than you. That's a true statement. There's always been someone willing to do stuff cheaper. Always. It's never gone away and it never will go away. The lie is that you believe it affects your business. That's the lie. That's the word track that you have playing in your head. When you go hang out with your buddies, the other contractor, and you go to the bar after work and, you know, drink your miseries away and you share war stories about, man, you should have been, you should have seen this one customer I was working with and, you know, they... They said, can you do this cheaper? I mean, the guy down the street was cheaper. Can you do it cheaper? Yeah, I mean, screw those guys. I mean, everybody's cheap. <laughs> I wish you guys could, like, see into my world. I really do. It's a, it's, a rec it's a broken record of excuses over and over and over. I get a contractor. You'll send me a message. 
Hey, Brad, I'm struggling in my business. I need some help. I'm like, yeah, man, what's going on? Well, I just can't charge enough because the guy down the street, you know, he's cheaper than me. And I, and people just want, and, and people are just cheap and nobody wants to pay for quality. And I'm like, hold up, stop. You're the one millionth person I've heard say that. Your situation is not unique. You believe it's unique. I'm telling you, it's not unique. Your situation is the most common situation that everybody deals with. The difference is the people who refuse to believe the lies and succumb to the fear and those who live in the fear and succumb to bankruptcy or burnout. That's the only difference. It's not a financial problem in the world. It's not a geographical problem in the world. It's not a demographic problem in the world. It's not a political problem. It's not an economic problem. Contrary to what you may think, it's none of those things. And we're going to dive into what it is here in just one second. So hang out with me. I promise. So contractors believe they can't raise their prices, right? And so they feel stuck. That's, one of the, that's the first place they feel stuck. I need to make more money. I can't raise my prices. The only way I can make more money is to hire more people. I have a, a business with 10 employees and all my employees still make more money than me because I have too, many, too much overhead and blah, 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 because I can't raise my prices. The only way I can make more money is to do more quantity and to be more efficient. So I spend tens of thousands and $50,000 on tools to be more efficient. But then the overhead and upkeep on that eats into any efficiency profits that I have. This is the cycle, guys, over and over and over. Okay. The second thing, they can't work less hours because they're not going to be able to pay their bills. This is part of the crazy cycle. The third thing is they believe they have to hire more people in order to do more jobs in order to make more money, which is what I just said, right? One of the biggest mistakes that contractors make to try and grow their business is to try and hire for profits. In other words, they're trying to hire more people to make more profit just to have a profitable business. And that is the wrong way you do it, guys. You max out your profits first as a one-man show or as a, the smallest footprint possible. And that will give you the money to hire more people so that you can magnify or multiply what the profits are that you're making. I know plenty of contractors that are one-man shows that make six figures, good money, have the life they want, and they're super happy. And I know guys that have you know, 10, 15, 20 employees and the owner barely makes, you know, uh, $50,000. And I can tell you the, you know, the one man show guy has a much easier and happier life than the guy who has 10, 15 employees only making 50 K. But the badge of honor they use is I have this huge company. Cause as long as everyone on the outside thinks I'm doing successful, then, you know, my worthiness is there. I feel worthy because I have a, you know, a million dollar a year overhead in my business, but my company and me, I only make about 50,000. I built a million dollar business, Brad. It's like, okay, yeah. What's your net profit? Well, I don't, you know, I, I put all that money back in the business and, the, and, and that's when the excuses start coming out. Guys, don't get, a, don't get allured by the top line number. Gross revenue does not matter at all. Just telling you right now. You see the gurus on social media talking about, I built a $50 million business. And you go look at their numbers and they really, I mean, yeah, maybe they're making a couple hundred grand. Don't get me wrong. They might be doing well, but $50 million does, does not translate into the owners making millions of dollars. If you look at some of these businesses, 
they have extremely high overhead. They're making a lot of revenue, but they're bringing home very little dollars. So you can't believe what you see on social. Back to the contractor who's frustrated, who feels hopeless, who feels stuck in his business. They believe all these things. And the reason they may believe some of this stuff is because they've tried it. You know, I've had contractors say, Brad, I've I tried raising my prices. I say, yeah, man, have you ever raised your price? You tried raising your prices? Yeah, dude. I tried raising my prices and it didn't work. I started getting a bunch of no's and I had to provide for my family. So I had to go back to my old pricing. I get it. I, I get it. 100%. I get it. I'm with you. I understand. Is it possible that you didn't do it right? Is it possible that you just simply didn't sell your higher pricing correctly? Is that a possibility? Most people say, yeah, it's a possibility. I don't see how, but I can, I mean, I'm sure it's possible. Okay. So if it's possible, then that means it's probable. Because if, if somebody can do anything one time, then anybody else can do it. And, and Roger, uh, I think it's Roger Bannister or Roger Banning. I can't remember his last name, but he was the guy that broke the four minute mile on track. Prior to that, nobody was able to break the four minute mile. They did not think it was possible whatsoever. Roger broke the four minute mile and the next year, in the, in the same year that he broke it over the next 12 months, I think like 12 or 15 people broke the four minute mile. All it took was one person to show that it's possible and that paved, that paved the way for everyone else to do it. So if one person can raise their prices and make more money, then anybody can raise their prices and make more money. And when we talk about price, you know, talking about getting a 50% or better gross profit on your jobs. Okay. If you're not getting a 50% or better, you have opportunity to raise your prices. And no matter what excuse you make, I'm not going to listen to you because I have contractors that are handyman that make 80% gross profits. I have contractors that are, uh, that do millions of dollars that make 50%, you know, on big projects. I have contractors that are landscapers, remodelers, general contractors, post frame builders, electricians, painters, flooring guys, you name it, just about every trade. They've all made 50% or better in cities of less than 5,000 people in cities of, you know, millions of people does not matter the demographic in blue States in red States, right? Whether they are religious or not religious, it does not matter guys. The profit sales system works. The profit blueprint works. The stuff I've developed works. And the reason I know it works is because I built it for myself in my business. <laughs> Everything I teach is what I did in my business. I know it works. And I have evidence across the U.S. And, and North America that it works for everyone. So the problem is not that it doesn't work. We've just established that it works. We've established that you can raise your pricing. The next thing you may say is, well, I can't find good help, Brad. I can't find good help. Now, again, that can be a factual statement, but it's also a lie that you believe. It's a scapegoat. Are there fewer people in the trades? Yes. Is it more difficult to find good help? Yes. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. You just haven't done it the right way. Part of the reason is because you won't pay more. Hey, just a quick timeout from the show. In the next 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you exactly how you can transform your contracting business. Imagine being part of a community of winners where you can find out exactly what they've done to be successful. That's exactly what you get when you join the Profit Club. 
but it's not just the community. You get lifetime access to all of my course-related material, including all future material that I add. But wait, there's more. Each week, you'll get access to three group coaching calls to talk about sales, marketing, and business problems and answer any questions that you may have. Still not convinced? How about personalized one-on-one coaching to help you overcome your limits? And here's my promise to you. I guarantee you will double your investment within 90 days or I personally will work with you one-on-one until you do. So don't wait. Elevate your game with The Profit Club today. Now let's get back to the show. Another thing I hear a lot or see a lot, on, mostly on Facebook posts, in the groups of contractors that are all the blind leading the blind, and the posts go something like this. Hey, I'm just struggling to find good help. I have a guy who, who you know, he does, he's a pretty good worker, but he just, he tells me I'm not paying him enough. And if I can't raise it, you know, if I can't pay him more, he's going to leave. And I'm just curious, like, what's everybody charging? You know, what's, you know, I'm paying him $16 an hour. He's been with me for two years. And, you know, I, when I started, I only made $10 an hour. So I just can't justify paying more than 16. <laughs> and I know you're, you're laughing with me because you've seen those posts and have heard those conversations. It's like, bro, I was charging $20. I was paying $20 an hour for people that had no experience, like zero experience. And you want somebody with like three to five years experience and you want to start them out at 16 because that's what you started out with 20 years ago. Like you have to get in, in your brain. Like it's, it's ridiculous. When things change in the economy, you have to change your strategy. So now you have to pay 20, $25 an hour just to get a greenhorn in there. You have to pay your lead guys 30, 35, 40 or more an hour to run your crews. You're not going to find this, you know, 20 year veteran who's absolutely amazing clone of you and pay them $25 an hour so that you can, you know, sit my ties on a beach somewhere. That's craziness. And it doesn't matter if they have it easier than you. There's no rite of passage. You have to realize in 20 years, the people that are with inflation, people that are starting are probably going to make $30 an hour brand new, never picked up a tool. In 50 years, it's probably going to be $40 an hour or 50 bucks an hour for brand new. You can't live off what you were paid when you started 20, 30 years ago. It's nonsense. But here's the problem. Brad, I hear what you're saying. But if I pay them 30 bucks an hour, that's more than I make. And I don't have that kind of money. Yes, because you're not charging enough to begin with. (laughs) Guys, everything comes back to profit. You have to have a profitable business. You have to have money. You have to. It's not negotiable. You have to. If you want to hire better quality people, you have to pay more. If you have to pay more, you have to have more. In order to have more, you have to charge more. You see how this works? You have to charge more. So we get back into these beliefs of like, I can't charge more. I can't find good help. I can't do this and this and this. Now, here's the problem. Here's what's keeping you stuck. We're going to get into it right now. You hear people say, well, as long as you have passion and desire, if you're passionate about what you do, you'll never work a day in your life and everything comes easy and blah, 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 and all the bull crap that we know is not true. Now, is there some truth in like things can be easier if you're passionate about it? Absolutely. But listen, we don't have a lack of desire, right? Everybody has desire. 
We all want to be successful. We all want to have the seven, eight, nine, ten figure business and the big house and the hundred acres out in the, you know, in the woods and the farmland, the hunting land and the trucks and the uh, side by sides and all the stuff that blue collar workers want. Right. So we can have, so we can live like a hermit out in the woods somewhere on 50 acres or hundred acres, 200 acres. So we can hunt like everybody wants that. There's no lack of desire. So if it's not a lack of desire, what's the problem? See, desire is the gas pedal for your business. When you step on the gas, your vehicle, your business, your car takes off. We all understand that it's basic understanding of how vehicles work, right? Your business is a vehicle. It's designed to take you somewhere. It's designed to take you to success. Everybody has desire. Everybody understands stepping on the gas. Everybody understands that. When you're working 70, 80, 90 hours a week, that's you stepping on the gas more and more and more because you believe that you need to work harder. Your dad told you, you got to work hard. If you want to have anything successful in life, you have to work hard, son. And we believe that. And again, there's some truth in that, but it's also a lie. Working hard does not mean you have to like be on the tools. It doesn't mean you have to be the one doing the work. It just means that you have to put in the effort, right? And some efforts are easier than others, but you have to put in this effort. And so Nobody, I, I've never seen a contractor, maybe, I don't know, maybe one or 2% just don't have desire. Like they're older. They don't want to, they really don't want to work more. They've kind of given up on life. They've come to the realization that they're never going to be successful. And it's just their, the, the cards that they've been dealt. And so they're just going to live out the rest of their life in quiet desperation, always being frustrating, you know, frustrated with their business, but at least able to to provide enough to in their mind, live comfortably until whoops, when you're 70, 80 and all your money's gone because you didn't have enough to save. But until you're 65, 70, when you do quit working, you're able to, you know, survive. You just can't survive past retirement. And so, you know, that's the people you see who are 90 years old that are in uh, Walmart greeting people because they didn't make enough money in their life to be able to su sustain retirement. Yeah, there's maybe one to 2% of you, you know, of contractors that are like that. And there's nothing I can really do. Like they don't have the desire. I can't make them be hungry, right? Those people are, are they've succumbed and there's nothing I can do. The other 98, 99% of you, uh, full upside potential. Nothing can stop you except fear. See, fear is the brake pedal in our business, in our vehicle. So we don't have a problem with desire. We're stomping the gas. We're trying to do burnouts, man. We want to go 100, 200 miles an hour. Let's get this thing launched. We have no problem with desire. But while we're stepping on the gas, we got our left foot on the brake. That's the fear. We got a left foot on the brake. And so I don't care how hard you stomp on the gas. If you guys have ever done this, unless you're trying to power brake and burn out you know, your tires, when you step on the brake, you got four brakes that will overpower an object that's not in motion. Occasionally, the brakes will break free and you'll get a little bit of momentum, right? Like, so you can push on the gas all the way as hard as possible and you may be able to, depend on, you know, what kind of vehicle it is and how much horsepower, you may be able to overcome the brakes a little bit to where you start moving very slowly, but most people are gonna stay stuck. If you got your left foot on the brake and your right foot on the gas, you're not going anywhere. You more than likely burn up your engine. 
i.e. burnout. See where that comes from? You burn out because you're trying to go as hard as you can, but you're not going anywhere. You're not transferring that energy. That's how burnout happens. It's funny how that metaphor works, right? Bankruptcy on the other end would be running out of gas. You just run out of gas. So the car's not going to go anywhere because you have no gas left. So how does fear like, I mean, what do you, yeah, I get it. Fear. I'm not scared, Brad. Like I'm not scared of anything. Um, I would, I would challenge you on that. If you're listening to me right now and you're saying, I'm not scared of anything. It's just because I can't find good help. That's fear. Well, I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying, Brad, but listen, my situation is unique. You don't understand in my town fear. I'm just going to put the hand, talk to the hand, hand in your face, fear. Yeah, but here's, here's the thing. In my industry, you can't charge for consultation. Fear? No, man, I, I know. I, I hear what you're saying, Brad. I, I really do. But listen, I'm telling you, my, I've tried it before. I've had people call me and say, you know, can you come out and give me an estimate? And I say, I charge $50 to do estimates. And they go, that's crazy. I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to uh, pay that. I, you're a crook. I've tried it three times and all three times they told me I was a crook. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. It doesn't work, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't work. Wrong. You completely did it wrong. You sold it wrong. You provided zero value to the customer and you've gave them no reason to pay you money. See, this is why you guys need training. This stuff doesn't come naturally. Most contractors that join the profit club think they're good salesmen. And after about six months, they usually say something to the effect of, I didn't realize how bad I was at sales until now. Because most of you are not salesmen at all. You're good talkers and you're good order takers, but you're not salesmen because sales, true sales skills don't even start until you get your first no or objection. See, the reason why you can't sell an estimate for 50 bucks is because you've given them no value. I would not pay 50 bucks for an estimate. And I teach this stuff. But if you're going to come out and consult with me and you're going to give me all the ideas that I need, you're going to answer all my questions. You're going to provide me with a detailed estimate and a firm price. And you're going to be my confidant. And I'm going to take this information, even if I don't hire you and potentially go to another contractor and have them do it. If I have all the information that I need and you're going to spend a couple hours with me, I'm definitely willing to pay money for that because there's value there. So it's not a problem of it doesn't work. It's a problem of the fear, right? And you have fear that it doesn't work because you don't know how to do it. And so ignorance in this state, in this, in this situation, is what causes the fear. Because maybe you've tried it, but you didn't do it right. If I said, uh, go out there and kick this soccer ball into a goal. I'm going to go out, I'm going to put the soccer ball, you, you, you've all seen these like on basketball and football and stuff, they have like challenges at halftime, right? You have the, the guy at the halftime half basketball, they shoot from the free, from the uh, midcourt and if they make it, they get like, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever. If I, if we had a situation like that and I, you know, we're in, it doesn't matter if it's a basketball court, football court, whatever. If I said, if you can score from midcourt, right, then I will give you an extra $100,000 a year in your business. And you go out there and we're doing basketball. Let's pretend like we're doing the basketball. And I hand you the basketball. And then you proceed to kick the ball 
with your left foot, your right footed, you set the basketball on the ground and you kick it with your left foot and it goes sideways over into the bleachers and everybody in the stand starts laughing at you. You can say, I tried it and it didn't work. You could say that and that would be a factual statement. But then you could also say that you just completely did it wrong. Like you used the wrong technique and, and you used your, the, the weakest you know, of your two feet. If you're going to kick it, use your left foot when you're right footed. Like we can break this stuff down all day long. It's not that the pro the, the system doesn't work. It's that you didn't do the system correctly and you let that fear fester inside you because the fear is that you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be the guy at the half court who kicks it with his left foot and goes to the left and 20,000 fans and the 2 million people on TV are watching you and they start laughing and you become the meme for the next two months online. For some of you, you would probably rather die. I mean, like literally you'd rather die than have that experience. And so for you, the safety, the safety of that fear is not even trying. You hear me here? The safety for you is not trying and using external excuses as to why it doesn't work. The brain's number one priority is to keep you safe in life. That's it. It's to keep you safe. And so if you are afraid of embarrassment, if you are afraid of financial ruin, if you are afraid of disapproval from your parents, maybe from that dad who said that you were never going to be anything, from that teacher that said you were the class clown and you were never going to amount to anything, right? The fear of that actually happening is what's paralyzing you. It's what's holding you back. When you step on the gas and you're ready to freaking take off in this, this ride and your brain is saying, no, man, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to put us in, you're, you're going to put us in a situation where we're going to be embarrassed, where we're going to fail. You can't do this. You can't. Remember when we talked to John and he said he tried charging for estimates and he got laughed at by the customer and then left a bad review that he was trying to rip people off. We can't have, we can't afford that, man. We can't afford to have that situation. We have to stay in the safe zone. Just trust me. Trust me, bro. It's okay if we just idle along at one miles per hour. We're still making progress. Eventually we'll get the big break. Eventually, we'll land that big job that, that changes everything for us. Eventually, we'll find somebody that can, you know, we can hire that's going to do a good job for, for underpayment because we can't afford to hire them. Eventually, sometime. That's what your brain does. That's the fear. The problem is not that you don't work hard, guys. The problem is that you're burning your engine out or you're running out of gas. You can't, put, can't pay to put gas in the tank. Because fear is holding you back because you have your foot stomped on the brake twice as hard as the gas. But here's the beauty of this. Listen, this is the most important part of this whole thing. If you take your foot off the brake, if, you're, if your right foot is stomping the gas and you remove the left foot, the brake, at once, what happens to the vehicle? It freaking burns out and takes off, right? I mean, you go from zero to 106 seconds or less. It just, on its own, it takes off. So all you have to do is remove the fear 
and the vehicle, your business will take off on its own. You don't have to work harder. You just have to remove the fear. That's it. And how do you remove the fear? You remove it through confidence. If you're extremely confident in your sales ability, you will charge for consultations. If you're extremely confident in your pricing and what you need to make, you will raise your prices. Those things will happen on their own. But how do you get confidence? You get confidence through competence, right? When you're competent in something, you're more confident. When you were a kid riding a bicycle, riding a bicycle was terrifying. And then you learn how to ride and you're like, okay, cool. This is now I can ride to my friend's house, Jimmy's house. And then you ride to Jimmy's house. And then when you're at Jimmy's house, he's like, Hey man, have you ever went off a jump? Oh, I can't do a jump. That's scary. Well, let's here, let me show you. And he goes off a jump. You're like, well, that's not too bad. And so you go off a jump you're like, that's fun. Let's get a bigger jump. And before you know it right now, you're going off of like 10 foot jumps and freaking doing freestyle BMX at the skate park because you built your confidence. You built your competence. How did you get to the competent level? Through repetition. You get it through repetition, you through doing more. You don't go from riding a bicycle today to hitting 10 foot jumps tomorrow. You ride a bicycle today and you ride it for two months and then you go off a, a little tiny jump and you do that for two months, right? You do that 200 times and then you keep graduating. And the only way that you, that you continue to do the repetitions is through discipline. It takes discipline to wake up every day and say, today I'm going to do three role plays with sales training so that I can get better at sales, so that I can sell jobs at a 50% or greater gross profit, so that I can make more money, so that I can hire better staff, so that I can get off the tools, and so that I can have the life that I want. But as long as you have fear, you will never do that. I hope you hear me on this, guys. I hope you hear me loud and clear. You don't have a desire problem. You have a fear problem. I don't want to take out a loan to join your program, Brad. I don't want to put it on a credit card because I'm a Dave Ramsey fan and he says debt's bad and you know you shouldn't do this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and save up money. I've never been able to save money ever, but somehow miraculously, I'm going to try and save up money for the next four months so that I can join your club and then I'll be set. I'm like, okay, so you've never made, you've never saved more than three grand in your life in one month, but now you're just going to change how you do everything and somehow miraculously come up with money and then save it up and then you'll be able to join. Yeah, that's the plan. All right, good luck to you, man. Appreciate you jumping on this call with me. Uh, you'll be burned out in the next six months to a year. Good luck in life. I'm not even joking. Like, that's my thought. When I hear people say stuff like that, that's fear, guys. That's all fear holding you back. That's fear. I'm not telling you to go in debt and be reckless, but I'm telling you, I've had calls with people that I know 100% I can change their business, and I tell them how much it costs to join, and they go, man, I don't have that money. I was like, uh, what do you mean? You're like, you know, what's, what's going on? Well, I just bought, I just spent $8,000 on parts for my side-by-side. I was like, what do you, what? what? Yeah, my, my side by side needed some parts, so I just spent 8000 So once I pay off that credit card, then I'll be able to join. I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't you just sell your side by side? Oh, I, I could never do that, man. 
Never. That's what my family and I do. That's, that's our fun. That's how we decompress. I need that for my mental health. Gotcha. So we buy toys that we can't afford to decompress from the realities that we can't run a business, but we won't invest in ourselves and our business through proxy so that we can do much better and actually have a much better life, an enjoyable life, an enjoyable business, so you can have more time with your family to do more fun things because we can't sacrifice a side-by-side in the short term. Like, what if you sold that for 20 grand and you had enough money to join the coaching, get all the training you needed, that allowed you to change your business, and in six months you were making uh, two to three X more revenue and profit in six months that you could go buy a brand new side-by-side, you could go buy two side-by-sides, and you could continue that trajectory. But it's more important for you to not give up the lifestyle that you have temporarily so that you can live in misery and frustration and hopelessness into the foreseeable future. Please explain that logic to me. Please explain it to me. Guys, I can't make you see the value of investing in yourself. I can't do that. I can give you these podcasts. I can tell you these stories. I can give you case study after case study after case study. I can share with you my own frustrations and successes I've had. I can do all of those things. But if you let fear hold you back, you will be in the exact same place today, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, if you don't succumb to burnout or bankruptcy first. Now you tell me, what do you think's easier? Doing the same thing and getting the same results or simply taking your foot off the brake and letting the desire you already have launch you forward. Guys, you know where to find me. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just search for the Hammer and Grind podcast. I hope that this motivates some of you to stop sabotaging yourself, to stop stomping on the, on the, on the brake, to stop living in fear and take action. If you want me to help you in your business, I'm more than happy to. Just reach out to me. Links in the bio or in the links are in the show notes. Uh, you can find me anywhere. And until next time, guys, remember... Profit is not a dirty word.